My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Most men fear getting laughed at or humiliated by a romantic prospect, while most women fear rape and death. Gavin DeBecker, The Gift of Fear. Have you ever wondered why this quote might be true? I don't believe it's innate for men to be more prone to violence than women or for women and femmes to be the most victimized. Perplexing cultural messages around sex, strength, and gender cause so many problems from the bedroom to the boardroom and everywhere in between. But the good news is we can empower ourselves to feel and exist in the world differently regardless of our gender. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin. And today we are going to talk about the importance of not only sexual empowerment, but empowerment around physical strength and capability and how we can manifest it in our lives. And none of this, by the way, has anything to do with shape or size or specific um, abilities. You can be a person with limited abilities or you could be a very petite person and you can embrace all of this stuff and be as fierce as you already are. Before we dive in, a quick reminder to sign up for occasional extras at augustmclaughlin.com or girlboner.org. I share updates about once a month, which include lessons from my girl boner journey, behind the scenes, fun, freebies, and discounts, and news about upcoming events. I've been traveling all over the place, and I'd love to see you in your hometown. You can also find my new girl boner book on Amazon. If you find it valuable, I would so appreciate an honest review. Now, I'm so excited to welcome our three guests today. They are part of one of my favorite organizations in existence, the Artemis Women in Action Film Festival. First, we have Melanie Wise, a producer, actor, accomplished stuntwoman, and founder of Artemis Motion Pictures and Artemis Women in Action Film Festival. Standing six feet tall, the former basketball standout and licensed physical trainer, who's blushing right now because she's a little modest, says she's more Clint Eastwood than girlfriend next door, which I love. Welcome, Melanie. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Um, very well. I'm so happy you're here. And next we have Megan Hubble. She's a partner with Artemis Motion Pictures and Artemis Women in Action Film Festival. She's a social media maven with a focus on social justice and women's issues. Runs these amazing Twitter parties with Melanie and the whole Artemis crew that I love, Women Kick Ass. And she's built these wonderful followings for different companies on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And also happens to be a physical therapist and massage therapist. Thanks for joining us, Megan. Hi, August. Thanks for having us. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's so good to see you, too. And Kayleen Peoples is the founder of Bella Composers, a recording artist and a publisher. She's opened the Artemis Awards Gala this last year with an awesome musical performance. And this year, she's helping to bring music to the festival toward the company's mission to highlight female composers. Thanks for joining us, Kayleen. Thank you for having me. My gosh. So before we dive into this incredible topic, this ties in, have any of you been to the Pleasure Chest? I've been there. It's been a while, but I've been there. Yeah. And what did you think? Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's and there's just truly mind-blowing stuff in there. There really is. It's, yeah. it's such a great store. They have locations in Chicago, New York, and L.A. And when you first walk in, at least this is how it's set it up now, you walk in and it's 
clothing and it's like hip and welcoming and colorful and then you go further and you start seeing lube and then you go further and you start seeing vibrators and then like gigantic dildos and then at the back is this like chains and whips and this dungeon and it's cool and every week they have free workshops and they clear the shelves like they open so that they can provide free sex ed and entertainment that's awesome it's pretty you, red. when the last time i was in there you walked in and i mean right in the door with all of the sex toys it wasn't like this gentle you yeah know, that's intro. funny yeah, yeah no it was amazing yeah uh they used to have i think you remember the picture that they have with it's a mannequin of a woman and it's she's like in a in a reverse crab Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had that literally right inside the Right in the front. That's so funny. Now I think it's a big poster that says sex is back, which I like that because it kind of makes you think. You're like, well, where did it go? Uh, Well, actually, I think AIDS had a big dent in it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So we are going to talk a lot about these topics of physical strength, sexual empowerment. And if any of this conversation gets anyone a little turned on and you want to get some lube or some products, (laughs) head to (laughs) thepleasurechest.com. Okay, so where shall we start? I would love to actually start with a bit about your work that you do. Melanie, could you share how you started Artemis and kind of the inspiration at the very beginning about five years ago? I guess the just absolute um, nutshell of it is, is I have for many, many years been very interested in seeing powerful women on screen. And, um, you know, in efforts of producing that content and actually getting it backed, you know, the frustration that comes with it because it was a miserable fail. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you know, epic fail. And, um, you know, it was just one of those where it it finally, it's like, if you want to see more of the content, give it a space to play. And um, I think I've told you this before, but I mean, our first year concept to execution was about six months. In a two-month submission period, we got about 200 submissions from, I think it was 28 countries, somewhere in there. Because I I was really kind of, like, frightened about this idea. I'm like, oh, man, we're going to get laughed out of the park for this one. And we didn't. And the fact that you had so many submissions so quickly for a brand new company. Yeah. That says a lot about the need. Okay, can I curse? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, so when we opened our Twitter page, I mean, we would literally get people showing up on our Twitter page like, fuck yeah, man. (laughs) That's amazing. There is such a sense of community. I've never encountered that kind of camaraderie and everyone cheering one another on. And it's a very, it's interesting because so many of the people, for example, all these brilliant stunt women that you honor, they all support each other. You know, it doesn't feel like a competition yeah yeah even though we're all in competitive industries very i I, i'll be honest with you my design of this it's like i I really only want to create a space for women and men to support empowered women it's like i i i I never want to make a place at our table for competition and petty differences i think it's just absolute crap yeah so yeah that's so key for equality and for moving forward to to build each other up. Right. And, you know, if, you, if you're if you interested in dividing and conquering, you're never going to get anywhere. You know, it's one of those where I'm always watching the, you know, the petty infighting between, you know, factions of different women. And it's just like, you know, wake up because you're fighting amongst yourselves. You're not going to get anywhere. And I think that is literally the root of why we're the majority of the population 
and we haven't taken over the world yet. And I think the biggest weakness to that is the petty differences. And arts and entertainment seem like such a powerful means of bettering the world. To me, it's some of the most powerful activism. Kayleen, as an artist, do you feel a sense of activism? I know female composers have long been a lot less celebrated or not celebrated in many ways. When you are performing and you are creating these musical works and and working with Artemis, does that feel like activism to you? I will say that when I opened for the fourth edition, it was really empowering to be on that stage and see all of those amazing, strong women out in the audience. I mean, it was was ridiculously empowering, and it actually probably shaped my performance because I was more aggressive on those tunes than I'd ever been. I, I, I love the pictures of her on stage because, I mean, she just looks like, you know, she looks like a Valkyrie singer. <laughs> <laughs> so your voice and your the way you were performing, you were really feeding off the audience. Well, I was feeling their energy, and so it was driving my performance, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Megan, you've been working with Artemis for a while now. Yeah. You're so talented at what you do, and I know that for you working with Artemis, it has empowered your own sense of self. How has all of the work that you're doing and these wonderful people impacted your own empowerment? Wow. Um. (laughs) I can give you an example. I asked you that partly because we were talking when we started today about laughing, right? Yeah. And when we laugh into the microphone, as I'm well aware, because I used to have a little sign that I would have in front of me at the beginning that said, don't hyena laugh, because I would like hyena laugh sometimes <laughs> and uh it wasn't my most you know attractive way to be heard so you were saying that your even your voice has you used yeah. to not laugh yes yeah i i stifled my laugh for a great part of my life i mean it started in childhood literally and i don't remember remember rather what i sounded like as a child when i laughed but, um, you know, it's just sibling stuff, you know. You know, I, I don't recall whether I was just made fun of in general or it was what happened, but I, I literally just turned on a, a little hee-hee-hee laugh. And then, honestly, just hanging out with Mel and Artemis, this tremendous, kind of slightly obnoxious, very loud laugh came out of me, and I just let it fly. I mean, I, I hated my voice. This is literally, like... I, I, we did a podcast just the other day, you know, um, but this is the first time that I felt okay with it. Um, You're owning it. Putting, I, putting it I out like there. That. Yeah, um, that is awesome. That's so amazing. I don't think we often realize until we are growing in, in empowerment in a broad sense how many manifestations there are in our lives. And what's yeah. so interesting to me is you said you would do this little hee-hee. Like we do yeah. this like trying to be small thing. Yeah. yeah. And Melanie, if I recall right, you never really did that. You were never... I have my own versions of that, yeah. you know? Um, and the part that sucks is, you know, it's like, I think it is a cultural expectation that women should kind of live apologetically. And um, you catch a lot of shit for being opinionated, for, you know, and that's... You know, it's funny because people are like, oh, my God, you know, what you're doing is so cool. It's like this is the first time in my life I've ever gotten that. And I'm, I have been largely, the, I mean, if you even look at pictures of me when I was seven, I still stand the same way 
I mean, you can you can see me in those pictures, you know. So there's, I, I have been a fairly constant human being, and that's not to say I haven't grown and changed and, and learned, but you know, it was, uh, it's definitely more acceptable now than, well, ever before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really true, and we're seeing it reflected somewhat in our our films. Yes, and there's still a lot of room for improvement as well, right? I wonder if any of you can think of examples. Let's start with the negative representations of female strength and or sexuality in a film. Is there something that you've seen recently or that comes to mind that was not the greatest example that kind of made you, and I have to say, since encountering Artemis, I'm more aware of that. And since taking the self-defense classes we've talked about, like you start to see, you're like, oh my, why? I, do you guys mind if I jump in? No. Right um, one of the things, I mean, it was just really standard trope for women to be the happy hooker, the girl next door, the wife, the mother, the the woman standing there wringing her hands in fear. And it's like we are starting to see some very, very cool um, representations of women in film. And it's the largest goal that I've ever had with Artemis is to completely deconstruct the box of what women are supposed to be in the world because it's like I grew up outside of that box and I grew up getting judged because I wasn't in that box you're not feminine enough you don't wear dresses you know and it's just like I'm sorry I you know yes I am I absolutely have a, a kind of a fierce attitude you know and I'm incredibly opinionated but I've never found myself masculine not once but it is, you know, I would get the "Are you gay?" or "You're too masculine" shit. My whole isn't life. that interesting? The whole masculine versus feminine, the ways that people define it. A lot of times, it's really superficial stuff, and it's yeah. it's societally driven. It's the whole like I can't remember the what the campaign was, but the fact that you know, pink is girl and blue is boy was such <laughs> right. a yeah. you know such a. a an intentional marketing ploy that has completely, you know, become this huge, huge thing. It's just, it's really wild. You know, can I chime in on this one, on the masculine feminine energy? Women have more masculine energy than men. You think so? Oh, please. In general. First of all, I'm a product of Southern Bells, okay? You get these women alone in a room. (laughs) (laughs) There's more testosterone in that room as far as uh, control and taking in, in charge of. It's like, it's such a crock. I mean, we all share both energies, and we should all live together with yeah. both energies. And it's like to k- constantly be, like she said, be apologetically living as a female doesn't really make any sense anymore. And there is a movie that I thought of, Monster Ball. Oh, yeah. I didn't see it. Yeah. I really was offended by that film and the fact that it won an Academy Award. Tell yes. us more. What, what, now, I, don't even, I didn't even see it. I'll be honest with you. I felt similarly when that came out, and it was really not politically correct to say anything negative about that film. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, the first time they decided to get uh, Best Actress to an African-American uh, thespian is when she's being raped by a slave master-type style person and who's supposed to be rescuing her from her... Plight. Poor, yeah, her right. plight, which... And the, this woman, you know, of all the movies, I'm not even talking about her in general, where they have strong women characters, and particularly African-American women characters, they decide to give the Academy Award to a woman who gets raped in a film, who's supposed, and the, her raper is the one that saves her. I'm sorry, but 
Absolutely. And that's a trope. It's a trope. It's something that, and when we see it over and over and over again, and in a gratuitous way, it sounds like that's yeah. what that was, where it's like when people don't know what else to do with the plot, well, they either rape someone or explode something. Yeah. And it, again, I'm saying rape in, this, in the sense that this was an, uh, he didn't, Legally rape. It's not legally rape. It's more like it was not consensual sex. It wasn't consensual. So that's but, that's, yeah. that's rape. Yeah. That's rape. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, people rave about Forrest Gump. You know, and I remember. You think about it. The powerful women. You know, she wanted to get her son in school at the beginning of the film. Right. What does she do? She has sex with the principal. The other powerful woman in the film, they kill her off because of AIDS. Yeah. You know, and that's another thing that that you commonly saw is like if the woman did have some sense of uh, self-activation or realization or determination, you saw them, they were the Judas, they were dead. You know, it's like, it's, and then there's, we're sending, I mean, deep psychological messages with this stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Did any of you see Atomic Blonde? I yeah. did. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed the film, but my takeaway was, so Charlize Theron is amazing. I love her. In the film, though, they cast it. So it's like 90% dudes in the movie, right? Oh, yeah. And they're all these kind of, and I'm using societal definitions of these terms, but like this average dumpy looking dude, right? They're, right. they're wearing, yep. <laughs> they're wearing like really sloppy clothes, but they're comfortable. Yes. And they're all kind of like balding a little bit. And, and they're just like not, they yeah. wouldn't be considered attractive, right? Then there's Charlize, who is hot, hot, and they have her under this light that's like it's like porn light, basically. And they they have her in full makeup, like really sexy clothes and and like stiletto heels. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But no. what I noticed was she was the fierce, like physically, she was the strongest, most fierce character, like in the film. And she could punch anyone down. She could, you know, save anybody. She's so physically strong and yet they always had her in heels. They always had her looking, you know, kind of smoldering, smoking smoldering. hot. Yeah. And then they had this, it was very sexy, but this really hot sex scene with her and this other woman. But it was very much felt to me toward the the straight male gaze, whereas like the guy who wants to watch the two women have sex, like yep. instead of it being, it felt so gratuitous. And I was like, wow, this is like, it's turning me on, but why is this trope in here? <laughs> um, so again, yay sex, but also just the whole contrast to me was like, really? Like what if that was reversed? And it was all women in comfortable clothes, not having to wear much makeup, and then two dudes had sex. It would have been the biggest headline ever like oh my god but instead it was like hey here's some here's some porn for you guys in the middle yeah what did you guys think exactly the same did you i had the exact same response it was just like what what the hell was that yeah it was it was just it was very odd yeah it, it, the, the chemistry was off i felt between the two characters as well it was just like there was it, like they just it was put very it in there. confusing and uh, yeah, yeah. Like, that could have been a lot hotter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you always see, I mean, it's like, look at how women are cast. And the chicks, I mean, especially studio films, I mean, they got to be smoking, smoking hot. And the guys can be so average. And it's one of those where, I mean, you see the portly, dumpy dude having sex with the really smoking hot blonde chick. And I'm like, well, that would never happen. <laughs> and, you know, so I, again, it's like, it's okay for the guy to look like crap, but you women, oh man, you know, once you're past 35, you're used up and done anyway. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> I should bring in some time and maybe we could do this together because mm -hmm. you've been acting for so long. But 
I used to be an actress, and I still have a lot of my casting call sheets. Oh, yeah. And at the time, this was much earlier in my own journey, so I knew that there was some sexist stuff, but I was like, I'm paying my dues so I can do Shakespeare later, you know? But all of my characters, and I looked at, compared to the male characters, oh, yeah. they put physical traits in all of my, it was, and one of my biggest decisions was like, should I try to make my boobs look bigger? Should I try to look more like the girl next door? Should I? And so often they'd be like, you know, she's she's the perky voluptuous neighbor or whatever, <laughs> or the hot cheerleader. And then the guy would be like, he's an intelligent guy who feels, you know, da, 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 da. And it was about his intellect and his depth and his, it was, but yeah. that's because men are the ones producing the, Scripts, yeah. which is one of the things yeah. we're, you're all trying to change. Yeah, right? it's it's a men's, uh, and it's a very short-sighted men's perspective. So he's going to, and you know how the way the industry is anyway. It's it's all. I'm sorry, but it's 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 the whole world is driven by men. We still do have a lot of that, don't we? Like when people go, "Oh, yay! Now we have so many female comedians." I just interviewed Sean Polofsky, who's an incredible. A comedian and she's like because we have some then people think it's fixed yeah so yay yes celebrate wonderful that we are making improvements and that you all are doing this incredible work and also there's a lot of work to be done did any of you see red sparrow i was just gonna bring that up that was just i loved that what did you think i didn't like it as much as i wanted to oh, i felt like they they used um or or they it seemed to portray or bring about Sex as her power. That was what her main power was, was sex. That's how she got everything was through sex. Mm. And and the character, I felt, was strong. Yeah, yeah. And could have completely kicked ass more than she did. But I, I just, it was too much. I hear you. Yeah, that's interesting. One thing I, I liked about it was that, so she definitely, her character, um, and probably in the context of that period of time, I thought that that made sense that it was I mean she was kind of she was being trafficked essentially right because she yeah. was being forced to do stuff which is horrible what I liked though and this might be the re- one of the reasons that I came away from it because I had seen Atomic Blonde not too long before that and I was like I loved that there was this scene that was all about her own pleasure and it was not the male gazy do you remember that? Yes I do and so that made me happy. Yes. Yeah yeah what other good examples can you guys think of? Oh, of strong women? In a film, yeah. So a better representation of the way that female strength, female Wonder Woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorites was Salt. Oh, oh I didn't yes. see that. I 100% agree with that. It was originally, from what I have learned, it was originally written for a man. And um, Jolie got a hold of the script and they were going to rewrite it for a woman. And she fought with them not to rewrite it. And if you watch that movie... And look at the character. She's never presented as as a woman. She's presented as a crack spy, and that is the type of writing that I want to see more of. Where it's we're not a female director, we're not a female producer, a female this. It's like you're just what you do. Uh, you know, she's not a female recording artist. She's not a female massage therapist. They're just a recording artist and a massage therapist. It's I mean the idea that we have to preface the fact that yeah. we're female. You know, I mean it's just stupid. It's like women's fiction that always. Yeah. yeah, that category is just like it doesn't. You don't have to gender it. Yeah. Like you don't gender water bottles. You don't like things that are books are books, movies are movies. Yeah, Kayleen, what did you love most about Wonder Woman? Oh, just the fact that she <laughs> beat everybody up. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, but you know what? It was like she, there was an innocence to her. Yeah, that I was liked, well done. 
the innocence and the fact that she was surprised by the way people were because she came from such a strong background, being innocent, coming out and being thrown by the attitudes. And here she's this woman with all these powers and was forced, first of all, she was forced to dress a certain way. And it was, you know, it was, I don't know, I thought the whole, and the final scene where she, I don't want to give any, let me stop because I'm probably I'm pretty sure most people have seen it. Okay. Where she's at her desk and I don't know, it was almost like she came into her own, but she was able to embrace both the feminine side and the masculine side, which she both obviously shared both, you know, equally. So that, that, I mean, that movie to me was... Now, there's another movie, because I'm a fashion person. <laughs> oh, come on, spill. I'm embarrassed to say, but it's... Come on. It's, I kind of want to talk about a bad representation, if sure. I can. Yeah. Devil Wears Prada. Oh, my God. I oh, just watched that. Yeah, I um, haven't seen that in years, that so I, I don't know what I would think of it today. I remember enjoying it, but I saw it when it first came out, which was a long time ago. Yeah. Tell us about it. I was... Okay, I... As, you probably know that I publish a fashion magazine. So, of course, any movie about a fashion editor I'm going to be watching. Yeah. Um, basically, Meryl Streep's character, I believe, was taken from Anna Wintour, who's the editor of Vogue. And she is a very strong character. And you have to make strong decisions in order to have a successful magazine. And it, the movie depicted a woman who was like a man-eater, really. And it was like, even though she was strong and she was... She had to in order to, to run a smooth ship, but she, woman of that type of a, of that type of, type of power depicted in this film meant that you couldn't have a personal relationship. Her husband, she was working on her third divorce. You know, it was like, okay, so that's the result of being, you know. And then the other girl who who was working for who who was also supposedly a strong woman ended up like. You know, she lost her man over... I mean, it was like, oh, so it's okay for a man to be a workaholic and save a wa- save his mayor, have a marriage, but it's not okay for a woman to be driven and she's got to take care of you all and still be driven. And I didn't really think that that was a fair yeah. message. Yeah. Can I chime in? Oh, yeah. It's totally cool for a guy to be an asshole. Women get a lot of crap for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean... So I don't think ambition is a masculine trait. I think it's just ambition, you know, and the idea, I think one of the reasons why when you really unleash the female population, it's like men have a job, Uh, typically not always, but, you know, the woman has a job, takes care of the house. She's the domestic administrator. She raises the children. She's working 24 seven. And when you see whether or not women decide to have a family or not, but a woman uh, or the female of the species is more engendered to being productive many more hours of the day. And so I think that as we start to unleash this female power, we're going to see we haven't even begun to discover what women are capable of because, you know, we have these like little roles. You're supposed to stay at home barefoot and pregnant, you know, and, and we're still fighting that off because, you know, when when the government wanted women in the workforce the staple that they provided, and this is World War II, is they gave them childcare. They took it away to pull the women out of the workforce, and they've never given it back. Mm. You know, and so, yes, you need help raising your kids, but why is it the woman's responsibility? And, like I said, it's like once we start um, unraveling 
like this disparity between the differences of how we treat men and women. It's like women are expected to be nice. And I think it's a horrible expectation, you know, and, and, and guys, you know, it's like, you know, the number of times where you see, you know, a woman does something that many, 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 many men have done. And the woman will totally get shot down and get a lot of crap for it. Yeah. And men, they, it doesn't. It kind of like Serena Williams just just yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How yeah. incredible. I mean, it was so <clears throat> devastating that she has a blood clot disorder, and she was not allowed to wear the cat suit. That the she cat suit. Wear. Yeah. And then we're, we're also referring to her outburst, uh, which people were. Highly judgmental yes. of. Yes. They they really went after her because she did she made this speech, you know, and she was talking about how, you know, women should be treated equally to men and we put it on our timeline and people gave us shit because you know well her behavior was horrible i'm like hey man we're not talking about her behavior we're talking about the fact that she did something that many male tennis players have done and she was called to the carpet and for them they're spirited tennis players mm. they're passionate yeah and she did not get the same treatment and especially as a woman of color i feel like you know there's more pressure or do you find that's the case kayleen that do you feel like that is something that is more expected of a woman of color to be like the angry woman well it's our history <laughs> we've yeah. been i mean if you weren't if you don't come from a, ba- a background of slavery you were as- assumed you are even if you didn't and the majority of african americans in this country have come from our descendants of slaves and they have been repressed They've been taught to be repressed, to keep their emotions in. So anger is nothing but a, a delayed reaction. And usually, yes, we are we are looked at as angry. Like I've been told many times because I'm very outspoken. I have strong opinions. But black women in this society have to because we're the ones who run the families because those who are married to black men, it's sad, but uh, statistically... They're either incarcerated, they've died young, they've left the family, the woman is the one raising the family and care, taking care of the kids and bringing in the money and doing whatever it takes. So they become strong, and mm. that's just who they are, and yet they're being bashed for it. Right. They're told to stop being who you are when you're in, in mixed company. But they go back home and they can be strong. It's just mm. you can't tell someone to turn off their personality. Yeah, it's true, and the fact that the anger is so valid, but also... You, that if you're outspoken, then someone puts that label on you. Whereas if someone had like a white guy who was outspoken, he'd be outspoken, oh. and yeah. he yes. he had such confidence, yeah. you know. It's, oh, and such uh, ambition. Yeah. Right, and ambition as a has a different connotation too often, right? Yeah. When we're talking about men versus women. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Ambitious women are not thought of well. Yeah. It's like I watched when I watched Devil Wears Prada. I, I could see the. I mean, this was a hardcore woman you know, or the character was, but also it's like when you look at the dynasty that she created, it's like there's no other way to do that. But she was vilified for it, right? Yeah, and they were trying to take it away from her anyway. It was like, how is she going to keep it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I related to her, her character so much, you know, because I'm an entrepreneur. I've started many things, and particularly my magazine, which has been going on for 14 years now. And I, I've had to develop a character like that. I mean, no, I'm not at that level, but I related to her. And I have been, you know, backlashed 
because I either said something or turned something down or finally spoke my mind or decided not to do something. And it, the, the reverberation of these repercussions have, are still going on from key people. Mm-hmm. So it's like you, you learn to... You learn to not say really what you want to say. You learn to observe. You learn to maneuver around. But it it gets it's difficult. I mean, dealing men get away. I hate to say this. God, it sounds terrible because I really don't want a man bash because I love men. <laughs> right, I do too. And we're yeah. we're we're not saying that all men are this way. Yeah. Or it's it's pressures and stereotypes that hurt everyone regardless yeah. of gender. Well, the problem is a man can get away with doing less and get credit for it. A woman can't i mean you almost have to be you okay something i've told melanie before because i i'm a woman of color my parents raised me and my parents were extremely successful in what they did in their lives and they raised me anything you want because you're first of all you know a a person of color is, is you're at a sitting at a disadvantage number two because you're a woman Okay, so if you want to get anywhere in your life, you have to be 10,000 times better than anyone else to even get the opportunity or to be recognized for it. So I've, I become a very driven person because, okay, I know that just by doing so-so isn't going to get me anywhere. I really have to like, you to almost be like, you're crazy to not hire her for that. It almost has to be that position where I'm at. Mm, that's a lot of pressure. And it is a lot of pressure. And so it makes you aggressive. It makes you... Up strong with strong opinions, it makes yeah. you someone who's really like the empowerment. I walk, you can you feel it reverberating off me, because that's the only way I can operate. Yeah, and it feels really beautiful to me and inspiring. And you all have this force of, it's so great. I'd love to shift a little bit to talking about physical strength, which is very much tied into this this topic. I know Melanie, this is a really a passionate topic for you. Yeah. Indeed. I actually, I mean, I remember when I first met you, I mean, the thing that stuck out to me so loudly is like what you're doing. It's like what we are doing in, it's, they're so tied together. You cannot separate one. But nobody really they don't, talks they don't, about that, no, right? That, no. that physical strength no. and sexual empowerment. Yeah, it's no. the, And it's the two taboos, right? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, because you've met a lot of that where people are like ooh you know don't talk about that or people get uncomfortable yeah they do yeah. i mean i've i've you know training women i've lost clients i i have an athletic walk now and i'm like well what the hell is wrong with that you know cuz the swagger wasn't an there anymore an athletic anyway. walk like <laughs> it, like it's a bad thing I don't know what that is exactly, but it kind of sounds hot. I I, I don't know. An athletic you know? walk is. I like yeah. it. I think it's beautiful. I like it. yeah. You know, yeah. I I I like seeing physically powerful beings. I don't care if it's a man, woman, or a dog. But the bottom line of it is, there is a certain confidence that shows up with strength. You do not get it. It's this is not an intellectual exercise. The only way you're going to discover this is to actually go out and physically test the body, and. The, and the reason why I say it's so tied to sex is because as women, as soon as they, you know, smacked your ass and pronounced you a girl, there is a shame. <laughs> Sorry. There's I a, love the visual. <laughs> <laughs> there is a shame that goes with being a woman. You know, it's like, you know, 
the masculine form is so very celebrated, even the genitalia. That is absolutely not the case for women. We're supposed to be, I mean, the period used to be called the curse. We're supposed to be ashamed whether if we want sex, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, it's like, don't you guys get this? It's like, until you can run around and be the town pump and absolutely proud of it, yeah. as proud of it as a guy, you are going to be lacking confidence, mm. you know. And, you know, I mean, it's like be the town pump or don't. Um, that is a personal choice, but it's like we really have to come to terms with the fact that, I mean, if you have a body, in most instances, pleasure and and desire, sexual desire, comes with that shell. It's just built in. It's a given right. Yeah. yeah. And, but also, you know, the the brain chemistry that occurs with a good, powerful sex life. I mean, all of those things. You watch women who have not been touched physically in ways that they like, and you can see the abuse on them. You know, and I'm sorry, that does not make confidence. It really doesn't. And I was really struck when you said that men's genitalia or male genitalia, like the medical definitions of them, so penis and all that, is celebrated. And I know that when some people hear that, they think, but we see boobs everywhere, you know, but actually that's because our bodies are objectified. Yes. Which if we want to be objectified, that's really hot. Like if you want your partner to objectify you, Knock that's one out. thing. That's great. I mean, we want to be attracted to and wanted by a partner and all of that. And and if you're in a line of work, if you're a sex worker or something, then, you know, then maybe that's something that's really important for your, your line of work. But to not have that choice and to have our sexuality being used against us or or to accomplish something for somebody else instead of saying your strength is yours your sexuality is yours I have a question from a listener that ties into this really well and I know that we will probably all have some thoughts on this it comes from a listener named Janice who wrote this I've been working out for three months and my sex drive has been really high I'm definitely not complaining just wondering (laughs) if that's something you've heard about or talked about before Janice thank you so much for your question I have heard about this Uh, I think so many people have experienced it and first I want to share what Dr. Megan Fleming of Great Life Great Sex had to say for you Janice first of all let me say I'm really excited for you um, and thrilled to be hearing how you've been working out consistently for three months because, you know, it's not easy to establish a new habit like that and make that kind of commitment to oneself. Um, And you know what? You're reaping the rewards, which is, amongst others, the benefit of a higher sex drive. Uh, Because typically when we start to work out, we start to notice changes in our bodies. Often we get toner, we may or may not lose some weight, but we start to feel better in our bodies and often having more energy. And I can tell you, often body image is one of uh, inhibitor to our sex drive and sexuality. But as you start to feel better in your body, these are contributing to feeling sexier. Owning your sexy is, of course, in and of itself, a huge sex drive booster, but also more relaxed. But in addition to just how you feel in your body, there's also these endocrine changes. We've known from research that um, exercise in and of itself increases testosterone, but that in the one study that for men in as little as six weeks and women eight weeks that did um, weight training, that led to increases in testosterone. So I think that's an important thing to recognize. It doesn't, in your case, you've noticed it after three months. You may have noticed it even sooner than that, but that for everybody listening out there, the true benefits, um, even beyond sex drive to, you know, even in a short window of time, um, committing to a practice of exercise and or weight training. 
But the, beyond increasing testosterone, which we know is sort of considered the hormone of desire, it's true that exercise also releases endorphins and adrenaline. You know, we often sort of refer to that as the runner's high because it creates feelings of pleasure and well-being. And the other thing is that endorphins endorphins also reduce stress, which of course is a major sex drive inhibitor. And I often also say that cardio and working out, it's also really great for anxiety, which is another huge sex drive inhibitor. So I'm really thrilled that, um, Jess, you've gotten to this practice, you're enjoying working out, how you're feeling your body, you're noticing your higher sex drive, and I imagine sharing it with your partner or partners. Um, So, you know, have fun and stay true to this new practice. Um, I think it's awesome and hopefully motivates anybody listening to be like, wait, this can happen for me too. Because, you know, as I said, it doesn't really take that long when we make those kind of commitments to really reap the rewards. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. She brought up such excellent points. Mm -hmm. It really can boost our confidence. I will just add that one thing I hear about is over-exercise, which can work against these things. So it's, I think it's working out for the right reasons, which it sounds like she is. You know, when you're doing it in a way that you're embracing your body and you're feeling healthier. And yeah, what, what would you all add to that? I think it's, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Have you experienced that? Do you feel yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome. Like all of our hormones, you know, get get a little boost from it also just the confidence and this i think the stress relief for me that's one of the biggest yeah. things is like the mental clarity and the stress release do you get like a high sometimes after going to the gym too like sometimes i'll be done and be like oh wow i'm just feeling really good about myself right now i mean yeah. though i'm like you know maybe i just worked out i don't look any different but right. something gets released it does yeah. something yeah, it no, does it's it's all of it's it's the brain chemistry but the one thing that also happens as you work out and it takes about Depending on where someone is in health, um, at about three months, you have really kick-started the metabolic system, which governs all of your hormones and your brain chemistry. And so there is a, um, I would say, you know, when you start seeing that, that sex drive rise, what you're seeing is actually a return to greater health on the whole and in a large number of levels. It's, I mean, everything that Megan just mentioned in terms of, you know, the anxiety and the stress and the confidence, there are those, but you're also watching the physical body adapt to um, greater health. Yeah, it's really true. I'd love to segue a little bit into a related topic because I feel like what you're saying, the whole holistic health, you know, and also self-care, exercise as as self-care, Megan, you've gone through quite a lot health-wise. I wondered if you could share a little bit about (laughs) the brain malformation that you had. It's called a Chiari malformation. Um, And I apparently, well, there are a lot of different schools of thought on what causes it. But um, what I seem to or have read the most on and, and, and makes the most sense to me is that it's actually a birth defect. And that the cranium, the base of the skull, is is a bit too small. And at some point in our life, uh, the cerebellum starts to drop. Cerebellum has tonsils like we do in our throat. You're kidding. No. And they, they at this point, don't know what they're for. They're, I'm like sure there's a reason. <laughs> but yeah. they say they have yeah. no purpose right now. So... Yeah. That that's well. The cerebellum is you know when you drink alcohol or that that governs your 
your your movement, your depth perception, your proprioception, a lot of different things. And so when that is affected, it just you know, you start walking into things. I was falling down stairs. I couldn't mm-hmm. focus. and So it was a lot of mobility issues, yeah. also mentally. Yeah. And I imagine if it affected how you felt about your body. I found, too, that anything that affects the brain affects the sexuality, since our brain is our most oh, sexual organ. Hard. Well, the part of the, the, the issue that makes it even worse is the, the tonsils, when they drop like that, start to fall down into the spinal column. And you have the cerebral spinal fluid which creates suction. So it starts to suck your brain down into your co- spinal mm-hmm. cord. I know that's really kind of a horrific wow. visual, but it, um, yeah. So it just sounds really severe. It it, it was, and it is. And um, Can I butt in? What she's not telling you is it's actually life-threatening. Yes. Wow. Yeah, and uh, some people get blockages. Now, did you know that you had this or not until you were getting these symptoms like I, that? I did not know. I knew that there was something going on with my brain just because of, you know, what I know about the body. And um, uh, so I went through several different neurologists who kept telling me, you know, take this, take that. And it's, I knew there was something more. And it actually was caught on an MRI, which is unusual. Um, you have to typically do a, a very special type of MRI called a Sine, um MRI. But so the neurologist, and I always get the written reports because I, I don't always trust them. I just want to see it. Yeah. And it, he just said, oh, just a minor Chiari malformation. And I'm like, there is no minor Chiari malformation. You know, there's a lot of people have them and get blown off. Mm. Um, and so I went to, you know, I just went to the best clinic in, in Ohio. And it's actually the East Coast as well, the Mayfield Clinic. And it was a lot bigger than wow. than what they had said. So. And the treatment was surgery. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Horribly invasive one. Horribly invasive. And oh. they did a uh, spinal reduction mm. as well on the cervical spine, which is to make the canal wider because there is that blockage from the the droppage of the tonsils down there, and they burn back with the laser, so they pretty much eliminate the cerebellar tonsils with a laser. And Wow, and how are you doing now? So you had the surgery. Yeah. There must have been an intense recovery. Yeah, it's been, it's been four years, and it's been four years of unpleasantness, but it also led me to Artemis. So How interesting that something that was so severe and that you needed this intense healing time when perhaps you weren't feeling very strong led you to something that brought you an intense sense of strength it sounds like yeah it 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 was um it it practically well i think it would definitely save my life absolutely because i was a, a fairly to very active person um and when you're not allowed to do anything you can't lift anything literally right before i came here uh for the for our last edition was when they said okay you can lift a five pound weight you can start to yeah see and to me when i hear that i think you know it's impressive when people are lifting like huge amounts of weight right but it's also really commendable and admirable and amazing to me when people are working with what they have and starting from a place that's so vulnerable you know and it's part of the healing process I liken it to the Special Olympics. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the the, the regular Olympics are stunning, and, and, and the feats of athleticism that you see there are amazing. But the one that blows me away is the Special Olympics because you see people with extraordinary limitations doing amazing things. And, you know, the loud, loud message there is, I mean, here's this person with no legs who's, 
you know, running or jumping or swimming. And it's just like, you know, and we look at our own lives and we see all of these obstacles that seem bigger than we are. And um, I watch this, the Special Olympics. And I'm like, if they can do that, I got no problems. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. so it's it takes more discipline to me and more stick to to come from a position where Megan has come from because you are you're so behind the bell curve in terms of like potential and you know it's like that take the only way to overcome that is right here yeah we really commend you Megan yeah mm. thank you it's really it's really inspiring and and that you have come so far and are doing such incredible things and you all are doing wonderful things before I get to our last advice I'd love to hear what each of you would have coming up next what you're you know what we how we can support Artemis, uh, and about your own work. Kayleen, do you want to share a little bit about your own work and where people can find you? Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, I have a website, KayleenPeoples.com, and it's my really my music website, and uh, talks about all my. I have my orchestral scores on there, and I also have uh, several albums and music videos, and you can find me there and. Uh, I have an album coming out called Romantic Bossa Nova, which should probably be out, I'm going to say mid-October available. And uh, and then, of course, uh, we've got the uh, Artemis Women's Music Division to uh, populate and uh, get the score award going as well. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, and then we're probably going to try to open submissions when? Well, you or, told me. I, I'm hoping for like the end of this month. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And open to musicians of all kinds. And yeah, musicians, uh, women-led bands awesome. is what we're looking for, and Amazing. really all styles. Just uh, to be to be in our festival that we yeah. want to do, coinciding with the actual film festival. Yeah, and composers. Yeah. How exciting! That's so great, yeah. Megan. What can you share with us? I know. You have wonderful social media for <laughs> Artemis going on. How can people engage and interact and learn more? Um, we, we do have links to our social media on the website, ArtemisFilmFestival.com or WomenKickAss.com, which is uh, Artemis Motion Pictures. Um, and we're, you know, we're currently too looking for sponsors for the festival as well, which is a, a big deal for for us and, and honorees. But the the sponsorship, you know, we were lucky enough last year to have CAA. And, and Paul Feig behind us and uh, and, uh, and several other people. So it was quite a big deal. And uh, we're on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, I think that's about it. Yeah. 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 And you really support your sponsors. It's really cool. I've been to events where the sponsors are mentioned, but they get a lot more, I feel like, with you all. We try. I mean, yeah. it's without them. I mean, we well, we came from... We had three years of crowdfunding. Last year, we didn't crowdfund. We had sponsors, which is astounding, you know. And you know, it's more responsibility. Um, but it's you know, but it, it's like I think if we want to ha- this thing to have a any longevity, it's we have to move to the point where we're having fiscal sponsors. And uh, you know, we are five hundred one c three affiliated, so it's all charitable, and that's cool. That's great. And I know you are really working to encourage female filmmakers and female-led films mm-hmm. tell people about the submission process if they want to perhaps submit one of their own works um we our requirement 
for Artemis is that you have to have a woman in a leading or co-leading role who is in physical action or, you know, in, um, in action towards empowerment of some kind. So it's, you know, it is your, you know, your straight ahead narrative action, but we also do drama. You know, we want to see women in, that are empowering themselves, that are making lives different for themselves or others, you know, and then we, you know, we wide open to all a huge array of documentary stories, you know, so basically we want to see badass women and, um, that, you know, we do not have a requirement that, um, the films be directed or produced by women. Um, we just have a requirement that women be front and center on screen. Beautiful, beautiful. And one last piece of advice from each of you. What would you recommend to somebody that they can do in their daily lives to feel more empowered? Who would like to go first? Jump in. I'll go first. I recommend women to do what excites them with no expectations and stop going to people asking for approval for something that you want to do. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. That, that is, it's, it, it can be tough though too because I, I, I grew up like that and you know look constantly a Virgo looking for approval and what makes you happy before me and you know now it's like what makes me happy you're living that way yeah yeah I'm trying to I'm getting there How, what are, what's an effort that you do that that people could uh, could try do you actually ask yourself like sometimes I do and you know it could be just for the smallest little things it's it, you know what? What do I want to do today? What do, just the littlest, smallest things? Do I want to go for a walk by myself today? Do I want to go here, go there? What? Do, just I, I, I can't. It's it seems small, but I think there are a lot of people out there that live through others so much. Oh, we're always looking and, outward. I'm so true. You yeah, know, and and yeah. it's. Yeah, it's it baby steps sometimes. It's so true. I think you the know? baby steps are the most important. It sets the groundwork for yeah. everything else. And it's so easy to ask other people, what do you want to do? Yes. So I like that. Or uh, what do you think I should do? Yeah. yeah. Yes. As one of my guests said, stop shooting all over yourself. <laughs> 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 Melanie, what would you suggest? Um, wow, that's a tough one. I, I honestly think, I, um, I think the other part of empowering oneself is looking at what you actually have done I think that we tend to miss those things I mean it's like if you ask a fish to describe water they couldn't because they're in it 100% of the time you are in your own world and so I see many people who do not realize the shit that they actually do really well and the stuff that they're doing that is actually stepping out of you know, the regular boundaries, it is very difficult to look at oneself and go, oh yeah, I survived that, or I excelled at this. It's very hard. That's powerful, because I think it's also very easy to not celebrate our accomplishments or acknowledge oh, them yeah. or think I'm not doing enough, instead of yes. going, hey, I did that. Yeah, or someone says, oh my God, you know, you're fabulous at this, you did a great job, and I'm just like, oh, oh no, I'm not. No, no, right. No, that's it's, a, it's, it's, to accept, but to step up compliment. and say, you know, thank you, thank you, yeah, yes. and, and not feel like you have to do anything, yes, other than accept it. Right, yeah. that's huge. Yeah, thank you all for being here. You're amazing. Thank you so much for having, Thanks us. for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it was fun. And if you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please subscribe on iTunes. If you haven't, you can also follow us along on Spotify and iHeartRadio. Again, find my book on Amazon. Sign up for extras at augustmclaughlin.com. Thank you so much for listening, and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week. 
Quiet nights in quiet stars Quiet chords from his guitar Floating on the silence that surrounds us Quiet thoughts in quiet dreams Quiet walks by quiet streams And the window that looks out on Corcoravado Oh, how lovely Quiera vivir Era sempre assim Com você perto de mim A tia abogada Veia chama Eu é que era triste Jescrente jeste mundo Eu encontro você you can see Okay, Felicidade, me on 